Hello, Bitchopedia listeners. Welcome. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm excited to have you here on the podcast and welcome back. If you're a longtime listener, this week's episode is about kind of a heavy topic, but I think it's something that's really important. And one of the things that I have been working on is embracing all of the parts of my story, because obviously it's fun to talk about, you know, dating and the struggles of single life and different relationships. And all of those are really fun, but I think it's important to share every part of my story and to pretend that my relationship with food hasn't been an issue from a very early age, a very young age, well into my adulthood, it is still something that I struggle with. So I want to give a little trigger warning here that some of the things that we talk about are triggering, you know, it was difficult for us to talk about. And we kind of address it at one point about that feeling like your trauma is invalidated. So to hear, especially when you see Rosara, she's this beautiful woman. And to hear her say these things might be triggering because you look at this woman and think she's beautiful. How could she feel this way? But I think it's important that we do hear from women, from everyone, but especially from women who you might not traditionally suspect of having these issues, because it just goes to show you that there is no discrimination when it comes to these issues. So I want you to really listen to the conversation that we have. We cover a lot of stuff, listening to your body, thanking your body for getting you through and just kind of coming to a neutral place about your body image. And the impact of family dynamics on your food relationships, and then tips to work through some of these issues the way that we got through it, and then just kind of coming to a place where you see food as an energy source, because that is the ultimate goal. So I want you guys to tune in and really listen to the things that she has to say. She has so many great perspectives, and not just about this, because we covered a really specific topic this time, but Rosara also specializes in the deconditioning of these old limiting beliefs. She also focuses on human design. We talk about that also, that we're going to definitely do a human design episode, so I can't wait to dive more into that. But I was really excited to sit down and have this difficult talk. So if you have any questions, you can follow her. I'm going to link her in the show notes. You can check in with her. Again, always feel free to reach out for me. But just remember as we move forward that this is a sensitive topic and this is a safe space. So I want us to feel like we can always communicate about these things, even when they are difficult and kind of be that safe place for other people to come and just listen, even if you don't know where you're at with food relationships, or maybe you know it's something that you've struggled with, wherever you are on this journey, I want to just kind of put this out as a general reminder that 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 is why I created this podcast, to be a safe space for a community of people to come together and feel heard, even if they feel like they don't have space to talk anywhere else. I want you to feel like you can do it here. So without any further ado, we're diving into the podcast with Rosara Alvarez. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Bitchopedia podcast. I'm your host, Dahlia. And today I have such an exciting guest, Rosara. How are you? Fantastic. Excited to speak with you and to connect with your audience as well. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. So I found you on TikTok and I want to talk, first of all, the first question, because I know we're going to cover body dysmorphia is specifically what I wanted to connect with you about because you had some content on TikTok about that. But the way that I found you was, I guess I came in right after. So I kind of want you to explain the backstory of what happened, but the one of my biggest fears is like being misunderstood on the internet and that seemed to be something that happened for you so can you give a little background about how that happened yes yes so essentially um so for your uh, audience who is listening um and maybe is not on tiktok there was a recent release of a um filter a hyper realistic filter that is using augmented reality to basically give you features that are not how you normally look like right. right 
So when I saw this on my feed, it was like a real-time reaction, right? Where I, I put it on because I was like, this is wild. Like how fast, you know, technology is moving and hyper-realistic these filters are. So I, I did a little reaction video and like 60, 70% of people misinterpreted the video as if I was saying that there wasn't a filter or that, you know, it, because it was too real, like you couldn't right. tell it was a filter. But what I was saying is, in the previous versions of these filters, you would move your hand in front of your face and you could tell, right? The, the eyes would move or like your nose would be all, you know, showing over your hand. So right. that was my reaction. My reaction was that these filters were not moving. They were hyper real, right. but it was just kind of interesting to see how, you know, around 60% of people in, misinterpreted it. And so I was used as kind of like a, not, I don't want to say ridiculed, but a little bit of like, you know, oh, this girl is so naive. Like, of course yeah. you can tell it's a filter. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what, that's one of my biggest things. And I don't mean to interrupt you is the, the, um, the mob mentality of, you know, getting on that wrong side of TikTok. Yeah. And I know I saw a clip about like Joe Rogan. Yes. Even Joe Rogan <laughs> misunderstood. And I was like, great. Now, like one of the most popular podcasts in the whole world. Right. With a bunch of angry white dudes who follow him, like attacking you. So, you know, but what's, what's interesting about this whole situation, Dahlia, is that, you know, I'm always somebody that loves to see how people react to things. Right. And it just really kind of reiterated something that as I'm navigating through life, it's constantly in top of mind for me. And mm -hmm. that is, we are all, we all have our own little world, right? Our own POV. Yes. And how how somebody is going to receive what we share is ultimately going to be based on what their POV is, right? What are their limiting beliefs? What are their past experiences? What stories are they, you know, telling themselves or are we all telling ourselves, right? And that's kind of how I gravitated towards you is one of your first um, videos that I saw was how you were talking to the voices inside our head and like yes. you were checking them. <laughs> And I was like, of course, that's brilliant. Like that is how we need to be, you know, right. interacting with all these uh, voices in our in our head, our POV that right. they make up. <laughs> right. Well, when you said so, that is the part. It's funny that you bring that up because that's the part that I didn't want to share for the longest time. Because there's, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Human Resources on um, Netflix. You should one million percent watch it. But it was about basically these um, characteristics, their characters, and it's. They, they manage humans right so it's from the creators of big mouth but there was like anxiety mosquitoes and like the shame wizard but it basically personified emotions and something about that when I saw that I was like yes and it's basically internal family system I don't know if you're familiar with that type of therapy but basically that like identifying the parts of yourself but my big fear was like if I go on and it makes sense I would tell my friends and they're like yes this is what you should do but then I was afraid. I was like, I know I'm going to get on the internet. And these people that we're talking about, like mm -hmm. these people who misunderstand are going to get on and be like, she's schizophrenic. And I just knew I was going to be painted as this. And it happened almost immediately after I posted one of those videos. Someone was like, voices in her head. She's schizophrenic. But luckily I had kind of mentally prepared. Like you said, I, because that's mm -hmm. a very, by the way, evolved way of looking at things is to be like, that's just the story in their head. Like not a lot of people could jump there, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That, but you know, growing up, <clears throat> so the reason why I resonated so much with everything that you said was growing up, I could never stop these incessant stream of voices in my head. But you know, you don't talk about that with people. You're not like, yeah, I'm hearing all kinds of, but I literally was hearing all people's conversations, like other random like characters just talking yes. and me not being able to like stop it or turn it yeah. off, you know? Mm -hmm. But um over the years, like I made a lot of lifestyle changes, dietary changes, just leaving environments that were not conducive to my well-being to right. the point where now it's not that those voices ever fully go away. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, we learn to manage them or we learn to check them. And that's why I absolutely resonated so much with how you the way you were expressing yourself and the way that it was it brought humor to it. Right. Yeah, right. I find that when we br bring humor into our lives. And that's actually what in my human design. I don't know if you're familiar with human design, but I love human design. <laughs> what's your, so what's your type? So I am a projector, a three, five projector in human design. I'm a five, one. <laughs> so we're both teachers. That's yes. Beautiful. And I could tell, I could spot a projector almost immediately. 
and Same. I would have guessed the yeah. energy right like the way yeah. you project <laughs> right right um so for me when I understood like because the way I navigate through life is through trial and error. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, I try something, it doesn't work out. 90% of the time, it won't work out the first time. But mm -hmm. when I add humor to things, when I actually make light of something rather than be like, you know, oh, I can't believe everybody misunderstood that or like, well, instead, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do make the best out of it. And I'm gonna right. have fun with it. Right. And so I love that you're doing the same in how you are explaining all these things that we're both everybody's navigating through right in a right. humorous way to make it less like I don't know like contra what is it called like instead of being um mm, like talking to the voices in a negative connotation we're actually right. like making light of them and I feel yes. that that's really powerful yeah it's like a power dynamic like a switch of the power dynamics like I'm in control and you can kind yes. of because that's what the book and I've talked about it on my podcast incessantly but the book untethered soul I don't know if you've ever read that either that, that idea yeah. yes and that idea of observing the the mm -hmm. thoughts so mm -hmm. I'm glad that you got over that as well that fear of speaking out and you handled it beautifully Thank but you. I did want to talk because the content a lot of the content that you talked about on your TikTok was about body dysmorphia and mm -hmm. it's so that's been on one of my topics that I want to talk about forever I was just waiting for the right person so I think you're one of the perfect people but I wanted to ask you first mm -hmm. what age do you think this started at yeah so <clears throat> so I'm originally from Mexico my family and I were uh, born in Mexico and I moved here when I was eight years old and just to give you kind of like a, a comparison um, back home we didn't really have a lot of diversity when it came to like products when it came to tv shows when it came to just our surroundings. It was, everything was very much like, you know, we had one brand of cereal. We had right. two channels on TV, we, like very minimal stimulation, right? Yes. So when I moved to the United States, all of a sudden, like we had all kinds of shows and television and, you know, Disney channel. And I got introduced to a lot more media exposure right? and the magazines. Oh my gosh. So the magazines, I would say like 17 in particular, mm -hmm. I had no idea that magazines even existed, you know? Right. So uh, when I started to look through, I would see like all these girls and, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, uh, skinny, um, just totally different characteristics, physical characteristics than what I was used to seeing. Right. So, um, you know, those were the first few years, I would say, when I started to really notice, like, wait, I don't really fit in, you know, my characteristics don't fit in. Um, I have a little bit of an accent. And so okay. a lot of little things started happening such that um, I became very insecure, mm -hmm. very insecure with my appearance, very insecure with how I talked, how I dressed. And so a little bit of bullying started to happen in school. And I really took that to heart to the point where I was like, I made certain, um, I guess, agreements where I was like, I'm never going to allow this. I'm never going to, where I'm going to be the best in my class, you know, mm -hmm. and all these things created these characteristics within me of like a perfectionist. So uh -huh. I started always, you know, like, was my hair okay? Was my everything like hyper, 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 mm -hmm. like um, analytical. And, you know, a lot of things that I had from my like innocence or at, when I was a child kind of started to go away and I became much more like rigid and um a little bit more distant towards people you know or keeping my guard up all the time mm -hmm. and so as I progressed as I got into the teenage years and my hormones started to change mm -hmm. right I started to become a woman uh, I gained a little bit of weight and you know my dad he's an amazing father but you know we we grew up with oh, parents right. who are very yeah. critical mm -hmm, <laughs> which is where we got it from probably yeah <laughs> right? yeah so he he started making comments like you know, if you don't watch what you're eating, you're going to end up like your mom or you're going to end up like your aunts. And so that's where next level body dysmorphia evolved such that it just seemed like everything I was eating, I was gaining weight, you know, and of course we're going through our, you know, menstruation and all of right. that, our females are female hormones are changing. Right. So all that to say is it just got progressively worse as I got into my teens and, um, you know, I, I would just look in the mirror and I would just tear myself apart, you know, and everything was like wrong with me. That's what I felt right. like. Right. And then I remember another point where it got even worse. So I remember specific like spurts of when yeah. my body dysmorphia, you know, progressed. 
And the, the last one that I recall was um, when we started taking selfies. Do you remember that time period when we got the yes. phone? Yes. And the the selfie or the phones would do this thing where they would invert your picture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, Rosario, you're so beautiful. You're so this. But then I take a picture and then I'd be like, but I don't look like the way I see myself, you know? Right. And I also remember there were certain articles right that I read where it was like, you know, people that are beautiful are people that are asymmetrical or whatever, right? Right. Symmetrical. Yeah. The more symmetrical, the more beautiful you are. Yeah. So then I'd be like looking in the mirror and I'd be like, well, I look pretty even in the mirror, but then these selfies, right? Yeah. Flip the image. So that's where it got even worse where I was like, I think people are just ridiculing me. Obviously the image that I'm seeing here versus what I see here is different. So something right. is not coming out. And so that's where I would say I really became very dark and very, you know, college didn't help either. Like mm-hmm. it just got progressively more I guess in, worse and in, in, as I progressed, because it wasn't like I was creating a relationship with myself or, you know, talking differently with the voices in my head, the voices right. in my head were just getting even more cruel and more judgmental yeah. and, and critical. So yeah, that's kind of the trajectory of how it happened. Right. Well, and that was one of my questions too, was where did that come from? Do you think obviously parents, and this is the thing too, side note, I struggle with speaking out so much. I saw it happen with you where you're like, I love my dad. That's something that I constantly to the line of like, I love them. And I don't want to tell you yes. about the bad things they did, you know, so speaking out that's hard in general. So I know that you mean, no, you know, our parents did the best they could with what they, did they the had. best that they could. Exactly. Right. And, so, and, and that's why I never want to, I'm careful of how I share things or how I say them mm-hmm. because I have no hard feelings towards my parents, you know, part of this healing process of like creating a relationship with ourselves and like Mm -hmm. learning to love ourselves is that we are then able to love others unconditionally. Right. And yes. And for me, my parents, like, I know they did the best that they could, but, but when you ask me right now, where did it come from? It came from my parents because growing up, you know, they were always like, do this and be perfect and be that like everything had to be done to like the most critical hyper, like perfect way. Yeah. such that it just became ingrained in me. Right. And and that perfectionism transcended from like just school and my grades. It also became my image, my appearance, yeah. how I spoke, you know, every area of my life, I was just like, it needs to be perfect. Yeah. It bleeds into everything, honestly. And exactly. that's one of the things too, because my, I didn't, I didn't even realize that I had food issues, body dysmorphia, none of that stuff. Like it didn't even register to me. But when I look back on where it could have started, it wasn't ever, I mean, there were times when he would point out things about my body specifically, but usually it would be about him commenting on other people's weight in front of me. Right. So it's like, it's not necessarily he's attacking you. He wasn't saying anything mean about me, but I knew subconsciously he's going to think less of me because he thinks less about people who weigh more, you know, like, right. right? So you can see they're projecting this and it's like, okay, so I know like, don't ever get big. And I Mm -hmm. started to associate my self-worth with what my body looked like, which becomes Mm -hmm. a problem when, for instance, the last two months I had been able, I'd been unable to work out because I hurt my knee and I was in an immobilizer. I couldn't walk into anything. And I started feeling afraid because it's like, well, what if I put on weight, you know? And that's such a, there's so much shame to it too, that you're like, that's a gross thought to have, but how do you fight those voices? You know, the voices in your head of telling you that you're worthless if you gain weight, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's part of this, like, you know, rewiring that we're all doing Mm -hmm. our subconscious programming, right. All the things that we may feel like, okay, you know, 90% of the time I'm good. I I feel like, you know, I've understood like, Mm -hmm. it's not who I am or whatever, but then there are moments where certain things happen, right? Like maybe an injury or maybe um, a lot of stress in our lives or what, whatever it may be, right? Where we're we find human. ourselves. Yeah. We find <laughs> ourselves like in those familiar feelings of like, oh, I'm, you know, I know deep inside, this is still something that gets me right. Otherwise I wouldn't be being tested in this way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I think the more we continue to, grow our awareness, the more we're able to be like, okay, I understand that I still feel this way. Right. But Mm -hmm. now my, now I'm the one in control of my thoughts, right. Such that I can be like, okay, I understand where that's coming from, but it doesn't have to become like a dominant thing in my life anymore. I can recognize it. I can see it and I can be like, okay, well, that's, 
that's something that I'm still dealing with. That's okay, right. you know, but I'm still going to move on and be able to be okay rather than, you know, allowing these thoughts and these fears or insecurities keep us in a state of like constant panic or fear. Right. And detaching, putting a little space between you and the thoughts. Well, there was one of your videos where you said, I can't remember anything else, but the one part that stuck out to me, you said something like, who is this monster in the mirror? And I heard when you said that word, I was like that, it brought up so much for me because when I, I know this is the thing that people don't understand about body dysmorphia, especially when it's come from someone, cause you're beautiful. Like for anyone to look at you and hear you say these things, they might be like, Okay. You know, like I know that it sounds obnoxious when, when we talk about these things. And again, that's yeah. the shame that kind of keeps you from speaking out about it. But mm -hmm. when you said the thing about the monster, I remember thinking when I looked in the mirror, I saw something so mm -hmm. completely different. And the day that it really clicked for me was because I had this pair of, it was like jean shorts. Mm. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was thinking vile thoughts about myself, but just like, you're disgusting. You look gross and all these you know mean stories are coming up. And then I put on my pants, which by the way, are size two. Okay. And I put them on and I'm putting them on my body and they they're buttoning, but I'm looking. And I remember telling my friend, I was like, I'm, I was confused because I was mm -hmm. like, it doesn't make sense that I look in the mirror and I see this person, but my pants fit. And they're like, that's mm -hmm. because your, your view is so skewed. Like you've got, you know, like you've got to do something to get those two back together. Not that you should try to fit into any size pants size. That's not the point. Point yeah. is objectively, I was able to look and know like, this is unhealthy. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. This is a problem now. It was, it was this, the wildest thing because yeah, like you just said, when people would compliment me, right. I mm -hmm. couldn't understand how they were complimenting me when I looked in the mirror and all I could see was the imperfections, right. Of this, mm -hmm. is, I don't like how this looks. I don't like how that looks. Or then the picture would look totally different. And mm -hmm. I'd be so confused, you know? Yeah. So I, just, I never, yeah. And I could never even talk about it with anybody because then I was like, well, they're going to think I'm crazy in a, in a different way. I already think I'm crazy, right? Because right. I'm like, <laughs> but they're going to think like, who does she, this girl think she is like, right. Clearly she's just doing this because she wants attention or she wants mm. more compliments when in reality, I didn't want more compliments. Right. I, I was right. Just like, just don't even acknowledge my appearance. That <laughs> don't would make perceive me happier. <laughs> right. Right. No, a hundred percent. And that's what I was going to say too, is that fear of um, them thinking that you're attention seeking. Yes. It's Which like, I'm an Aries. I get it. We are attention seekers. <laughs> yes, that is, <laughs> you know, like I love that. Yes. But um, oh yeah, it, it it was a wound, you know, that I I never thought I was gonna be so public about it. But the more the more I'm seeing how um disassociated we are becoming with our what we actually look like versus this online image that we have the more I feel for the youth, right? For young girls who are just like us, right? Are going to be beating themselves up and are going to be like, um, you know, why don't I look like this version of me? Or maybe I'll go get these temporary fixes, right? Mm -hmm. The injectables, all this stuff. But but that's all like, it's, it's a fi quick fix, right? It doesn't get right. to the root. And when we don't deal with the root of things, when we don't address that, it's going to show up in one way or another, as we progress in life right and yeah that's what makes me feel the most like okay I really want to share my story more and I have diaries with all my entries you know of how I used to write and what I used to say so I know for a fact like these are very valid emotions and feelings 100%. that I experienced um so yeah so I never expected this one viral video to be like the catalyst for me basically right right there. well and but it happens for a reason and that's something that I'm dealing with too is like the things it's like what do you speak out on and not and especially if we're talking about healing things because you don't want to I know I feel like you're in alignment like spiritually with me law of attraction things like that you know like it, it you don't want to focus on it but then it's like this is a really important part of my story and you sharing yeah. when you realize it's not for me like me talking about it is not to make you know, you were also yeah. healed in it, but like, this is for, like you said, children. And that was yeah. one of the questions I wanted to ask too, because when we were growing up, <clears throat> I say we, I'm 32. I don't know how old you are. I'm 30. But, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So like Facebook and all that stuff was way later, but we didn't have filters. You know, we didn't have, we didn't yeah. even have color screen, you know, phones. Yeah. But now you think about these people, the kids, children who are mm. growing up with filters and it does create that sort of dissonance. Even when I look Snapchat is a big one for me, right? So if I use a Snapchat filter, when I looked, because they'll have memories for anyone who doesn't know, they pop up like a year 
from the day, you know, this is what you're doing a year ago. And I would see myself and think, oh my God, I looked so pretty then. Like I, and now I feel like I've fallen off, you know, but then I look and I'm like, you, you cause you can tell that you're using a filter. Yes. I mean, that's not what you even looked like. Like this is creating right. this jealousy for my past version of myself that didn't even exist. Yes. You know, like it's not a real person. So that too of like, cause I had to stop, I had to pull away from filters as well because we didn't even realize, I feel like early on, we didn't realize the effect that it was going to have, you mm -hmm. know, but so how do you think, I guess it's just not using the filters. What's your advice for, especially with yeah. parents, with kids? For parents, you know, I feel like the, the easiest thing that they can do is to empower their kids to a self-love, right. To mm -hmm. empower them to, um, see themselves for their essence, you know, the qualities they carry, not the superficial aspect, because to be frank, like the superficial stuff, you can change it, right? You can go and get a new face at a surgery center or whatever, but it still doesn't make the root of the issues go away, right? So at the end of the day, as a parent, or if I had kids, you know, I would spend my efforts and my energy telling them things like you're beautiful, mm. you know, I love you, like all these things that no, maybe most of us didn't get to hear, right? That love from our parents, which granted, if you didn't receive love growing up, it's very hard sometimes to be able to give love, right? Mm -hmm. And for or me, receive my parents, it even now. Or receive it, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, mm, so yeah, so it would be to focus on that, to focus on empowering our kids to um, love themselves to know their inherent worth right mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything to be worthy you are worthy just from the fact that you are a human being and look at how look at what a miracle it is that we are all here right now in this present moment right out right. of all the generations that have been before us out of every single illness that has happened in the past like we are here right so um so yeah it's knowing our inherent worth uh learning how to truly love ourselves, which I wish that could be like, here, it's a pill or <laughs> right. so guide, which, you know, it, it can help you with prompts and stuff, but ultimately right. it's, it's a self-discovery journey, mm. but that self-discovery journey can only get started when we go inward, not when we go outward. Right. It's right. It's learning how to mm, disempower the thoughts that are negative, disempower the thoughts that are self-criticizing, right? And realizing that at one point we adopted these stories as a self-defense mechanism, but they don't serve us anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the root of it, I feel that um, there's a lot of people out there doing work with parents, but I think that it really starts with the parents, right? It start, right. That's where they first learn how to love it. That's where kids first learn how to engage with the world, how to talk to themselves because they see how other people are doing it. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, for parents, I would say like, if any parent doesn't know how to get this conversation started, there's a lot of books out there, right? We just talked about a couple of them that are amazing and the, the untethered, what remind untethered me? Soul, yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful book. Like there's so many resources available for parents to start that conversation, but ultimately without getting to the root of these insecurities, then I feel that the use of these filters don't serve us. They, they just, you know, create well, a problem again. that doesn't get dealt with until later on, usually after right. a lot of decisions have been made. Right. Well, so, and again, tell me, don't speak about anything that you're not comfortable with, but when we talk about body dysmorphia, I feel like the sister to it is eating disorders, right? Or 100%. relationships with food. 100%. And especially when we're talking about kids now, I still, I think about that is my son noticed my eating habits. So he might not, especially maybe because he's a boy and it's not as much, you know, if I had a daughter, it would probably be a different story, mm -hmm. but, and not to say that, you know, it can't be both ways, but I feel like he wasn't as um, worried about his body image but I know that he has picked up on my food, my eating habits. And I thought I was hiding it. Like mm. even subconsciously, I didn't know I was doing a lot of these things, but like not eating real meals and things like that. I remember, and he's eight, but he said something to me one day and he says stuff like this all the time that just stops me in my tracks. But he was like, why don't you love yourself enough to eat real food? Oof. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> wow. I mean, we learn so much from kids, you know, they're right. Right. And that just goes to show they see, even when you think you're hiding it, because he would eat in his room and I would eat in my, you know, and we have a big open space. So it was the together, but separate. So I would be, he wasn't watching me like fill my plate, you know, they are, they pick up on a lot of stuff too. Ooh. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and they hear like the way that we talk, right? So I, mm -hmm. I have nephews and um, just yesterday, so that's funny that you mentioned it, just yesterday, um, I was at a family barbecue and I was having chips and I was having like what foods that I normally don't eat. Right. But he was like, um, I thought you were on a diet. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, who told you this? Oh, my dad. So, you know, my brother, I know jokingly because I'm like the special one in the family, you know, <laughs> and I talk about like, oh, you know, I'm trying to eat better, more holistic, yeah. natural stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm like the special one. And every time they have like junk food, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, she's not going to eat that, you know? So yeah. the kids, they're listening at all times and they're listening to things like, even if my brother wasn't directly told that to them because he's heard him yeah. say that to maybe his wife, right? Now, my nephew's like asking me, I thought you were on a diet. And I was just right. like, just because I'm trying to make healthier choices, <laughs> right. that's well, not a diet. It's right. Nice. And that's what I was going to say too, is like, we also have to work with, because my my family did it too. When I would go down there and I'm trying to eat, my healthy food kick didn't even start. I mean, it did like a long time ago, but the most recent time was not because of body image issues. It was because like my health, like I need, my yeah. body was shutting down. Right. Balancing, right. Blood pressure, right. all these things right. that were like, what is going on? <laughs> right. So I'm trying to get all that in balance. So then to have that added pressure, especially considering my, my realist addiction is to food. Like I, I can put down any drug, but food has been my hardest thing. So I'm struggling with that already. And then you have family who I know they may be well-meaning or they might not even pick anything of it, but this is kind of just to remind you of like mm -hmm. kids do pick up on that. But also that means that you're, you're pointing things out about people's food and that is such a trigger you know such a trigger especially not just the healthy stuff but when you said you know if this is something where if you're anything like me I'm uh, I have a hard time letting go and kind of not mm -hmm. being perfect you know so eating the chips and things like that might be an indulgent moment where I would probably already feel really guilty about it and then mm -hmm. when I do it I'm like you know what let's do it and then someone points out oh yeah. you know like because, yeah because I had going into the barbecue I had made that decision to be like um, you know what? It's not every day and I want to enjoy with my family and I know I'm going to eat this, but instead of feeling guilty about it, I'm going to actually be like, wow, this was really good. And I got to do it. Right. Because I also feel that digestion works differently yeah. when we take food and we're, we're seeing it as like, okay, you know, instead of creating all these things about how it's going to be terrible for me, I'm going to say, I'm going to enjoy it. I know it's not every day. So the one day that I'm going to get to do it, I'm going to actually do it guilt-free. Mm -hmm. But then having my nephew say that just threw me off completely. Yeah. Cause I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not on a diet. My lifestyle is now right. healthy, you know, because right. I love myself. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's having that those things have a bigger impact. Cause it would just be, I think it's the same thing as if someone's quitting alcohol or whatever, you know, and you're like, well, you don't want to have a drink. You're not drinking now. Yes, like yes, what yes. it's already hard enough for me to decide it. And then when I have my mom, you know, if I go down to visit them, like you said, a cookout or whatever, and I go to visit them and she's like, here, have cake. She's just shoving food in my face. And I'm like, first of all, yeah. This is going to overwhelm my digestive system anyway, <laughs> but like also yeah. as a person, I am overwhelmed and I feel like this is just an invitation for people to consider not commenting right. at all on people's eating habits, you 100%. know, hundred percent. And you know, this, this topic of nutrition, like same thing with the, you know, perfectionist, the self-criticism, all of that, which my family was the main conducer because that's how we were, right. We were all very like always always trying to do the best that we could and being like overly worried about what people were going to say. So everything, 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 including the nutrition, in my opinion, stems from the family dynamics and how our families, you know, raised us to be like, I know right. for me, it was always like, you could never leave food behind mm -hmm. because it was like disrespectful. And so even if you got served a large portion, you had to, you had to finish it. Right. Yep. So then we're putting ourselves at a young age in habits that don't really service right overeating doesn't serve us it just makes us feel very weird and kind of gross with our body right so yeah. all of that everything about what we're navigating through right now dahlia in my personal opinion can be attributed to what did we see growing up how did our parents again did the best that they could right. we're not trashing our parents here right <laughs> um, but it's really like going down to that level of, of saying okay this is everything that I navigated through in my family dynamics. And I'm now consciously trying to undo a lot of that subconscious programming mm -hmm. of, you know, things that I just thought were how the world worked. You know, I thought the way that my family was raising me was the way that other kids were being raised too. So now we're just starting to see like, oh, 
things just backfired in a very yes. weird <laughs> right yeah we're kind of working our way back no that's very true and I had I wondered if you had any tricks either but I had a couple of tricks that got me when I was starting to work through the body dysmorphia that helped for me um two things was one was thanking my body for so my stomach was my number one issue especially after I had a baby it looked everything changed stomach was the biggest part for me right which is whatever crazy but it's fine. So when I thank my stomach, rather mm. than thinking like it needs to be small or whatever, I would look at it in the mirror. I would stand there and say, thank you for digesting my food. Thank mm. you for, you know, carrying a baby. Like, and yes. I started thanking my body parts, my arms, like, thank you for giving people hugs. Thank you for allowing me to pick up my son. Thank you for a lot, you know, and just moving through your whole body as a thing that has been doing you these favors. And we've just been kind of bashing it, you know, Yes. And then the second one is just to get to a neutral state. So saying, looking in the mirror and rather than saying, because sometimes if you go from, you know, this, if you go from too negative to too positive, sometimes there's, you yes. know, it's discomfort. So if you yes. can get to like, I have arms, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether I have arms, I have a stomach, I have a face, I have a chin, and you don't have to go anywhere other than just neutral to start, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It starts from that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would, um, a lot of the times I would write little notes on the mirror and like you just, I love what you just said, where it's like, if it's too positive, I'd be like, okay, this is not. So I would say something that was a little bit nicer than maybe in the past. Right. right. And like you said, just neutral of, I'm so grateful that I have all my limbs. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that, um, all of my organs are working, you know, and starting to see the body as like, wow, look at how much it's serving me. So now I want to serve it just by acknowledging that I have a body and that it's carried me through for the 30 years of my life. Right. 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 Um, the other thing that helps me a lot is journaling. I love mm-hmm. to journal. And so sometimes when I, because I do have some those diaries still, mm-hmm. I'll reread them. And at times, you know, I, I cry because I, I get, I go back into that space and that when I was that age, you know, and I just feel so much compassion for that little girl because she was dealing with so much, you know, she was navigating through so many things, not knowing how overly stimulated she was, not knowing how oversensitive she was. So now it's kind of like, oh, wow, I can't believe I like survived all of that. And I'm still functioning, you know, so it kind of just shows me like, if I've made that much progress since those days, I can only imagine how much more progress I'm going to continue to do. The more I, I keep nurturing this relationship with myself, and the more I keep um, pouring love into me so that I can then pour love onto others, right? Including yes. my parents and my family. And, you know, my nephews, like I I, ta- I sat down with my nephew and I explained to him that I wasn't on a diet, that it was a lifestyle because I loved myself and because I also wanted to be there with them. You know, I was going to partake in these activities, but then going home, I wasn't going to also indulge. You know what I mean? So yeah. I took that time to educate him mm-hmm. so that he wouldn't have this misconception and he would understand the meaning behind why my brother said that in the first place, you know? Right. And so. I think that's one of the most important things is communicating with kids, because like we said, they do know way more than we give them credit for. And I have found, I mean, I don't know the long-term effects yet because my kid's still young, but I have found that speaking to him sometimes like an adult or like mm-hmm. a person who has a capability of understanding, like this is where I'm coming from. And usually when you clear it up, they're like, oh, okay. And then yeah. it's done, you know, it's that easy. 100%. So Okay. So another thing, when we're talking about eating habits and things like that, do you have any rituals, I guess is the word that I use for it. Um, and do they impact your life? Let's say like dating life. Do you find that this is something, or was that maybe in the earlier days and you felt like you've learned to work with it now? How does that impact you still? Um, so you mean like my struggles with eating disorders and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, Oh my goodness. Yes. It, <laughs> it impacted me so much. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, the biggest thing was because I had all these insecurities in my relationship with food and how I saw myself, I was just the most insecure person inside. But externally, people didn't know because they would just see me as like put up a front of, oh, she's very confident, very this, very that. But I didn't even like date any guys, you know, or I'd have very weird situationships because at the end of the day, I had no Mm self-worth. I would get myself in situationships because 
I was, I would tolerate the bare minimum, you know, like a guy would give me attention and I'd be like, Oh, great. You know, <laughs> give me attention. And yeah. then, you know, it'd be like on his terms or, you know, whenever he wanted to hang out, I'd hang out with them. So I had zero like sense of like what self-worth was, nor could I set boundaries of being like, this is how I want to be treated. Because frankly, I was treating myself like right. garbage, you know, right. Compared to what, what are we supposed to be exactly. compared to? Right. Exactly. So, so I didn't really have, I would say good relationships or partnerships until I really turned the switch on with my self-worth and started to, and that was probably the start of my spiritual journey mm -hmm. or growth, you know, where I started to realize, okay, all these voices, all these things that I've been believing are not actually true. They're just projections from my past, from the, my insecure self or from all these agreements that I made about how I was going to do things or not do things, you know? So when I started to really disempower those old beliefs and those thoughts, that's where e even I, like, I started to blossom more. Yeah. I liked how I looked, I lost weight. Um, I changed my, you know, I started to eat a lot more consciously where I, so backstory, I ended up working for corporate America for like eight years that certainly did not help. Right. So when I left corporate America, I went to work at this holistic spa, this wellness mm -hmm. spa. So through that experience, I learned everything about inflammation, gut health, toxins. Um, this world of nutrition that I had zero clue about was mm -hmm. suddenly introduced to me. And because I was working at that spa, I actually had to like follow everything that I was talking about. Right. So I started <laughs> to see, you know, my gut health improved, my hormones began to get balanced, toxins were just being released, my wow. mind started to get clear, the brain fog that I had kind of like went away. And I could now like my thoughts were more cohesive, more slower, I wasn't drinking like, four large, uh, you know, coffees with mm -hmm. four espresso shots in them. Like that's how I used to survive, right? Cortisol levels were out of whack, you know, everything was out of whack. Like, I didn't even know how to properly breathe. Cause I was just constantly like, you know, like, yes, forget yes. yes. I've so, said that before that when I'm a yoga teacher and when I started teaching yoga, I was like, that's what I say. I'm, I'm at such a basic level right now that I don't feel like I'm ready to date because I literally said the other day, I was like, I'm relearning how to eat and breathe right now. <laughs> Can you give me a second? It's crazy. Most people, when people hear that, I don't, I didn't understand what that meant until you're actually doing it where you're like, oh, wow. So this is what it's like to like not feel this pressure right on your chest because you're forgetting to breathe because you're so contracted because uh -huh. you're so like survival mode right anything mm -hmm. could go wrong so you're always like waiting for something to respond mm -hmm. to so that I would say was the catalyst of my wellness journey was learning how to eat properly learning how to actually see food as a nourishment right rather than being like Ooh, that's too much calories. Oh, this is going to, you know, like that went away. Those voices of like questioning every single thing mm -hmm. switched to being like, okay, is this giving me nourishment? Is this giving me life? Do I know that this is giving my cells the energy that they need? Right. So I started to visually see the greens as like, oh, this is going to be really good for me. You know, yeah. this water is going to be good for me. Like all these things that suddenly food became like a friend, you know, it became yes. like, oh, this is just helping me feel better. And then when I started to actually see the the results, which took a little bit, you know, right. I'm not going to say it happened overnight. It probably took one month to three months to start noticing a mm -hmm. shift in, in just our, my mood levels and everything. But um, once I started doing that, then my my mind started to be a little bit more organized. And then I went on to like more of the reading books and uh, podcasts or audibles and you know, really going within and um, I've done a lot of plant ceremonies, different things, you know, mm -hmm. that in a spiritual journey you get, you get drawn to. Yeah. Um, and eventually I was like, wow, I couldn't even recognize the old version of me, right? Because she was so in the past, but certainly the nutrition, the leaving behind toxic work environments, even cutting people out that were just negative and you know, their lives just seem to be constantly stuck in what, you know, what everybody else is doing, which is living for the weekends or mind um, numbing out to alcohol, to TV, to all these things that are just distractions, right? To keep us away from actually going within. 
so that we can discover like our gifts, our purpose, uh, how we're going to serve ourselves, but the world, right? So, right. so yeah, that's kind of how it all inspired for me. Right. Well, I think that's a beautiful journey and something that you said, actually, my friend who also has struggled with food relationships, um, mm-hmm. she says that she thinks of it like a video game for like XP. So she would mm-hmm. say that like when it's like, oh, I'm getting low on energy, I got to go eat because I'm also autistic. So there's a lot of that. Sometimes feeding myself just feels overwhelming. And it's an easy thing for me to put on the back burner. It's like, I'll just eat a protein bar and then, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you can feel yourself start to like shut down. So when she said it like that, like you're saying, just thinking of it as energy, it's not the calories. And it's just, okay, what can I give myself to give myself energy? When I started working with that, the food, it wasn't even like I was consciously working on an eating disorder. It was, I'm choosing, like you said, I'm choosing healthier things. And then it kind of just worked itself out. And then the weight did fall off and my skin got clearer. And like you said, the mental cognition, you know, all that stuff starts to come together when you just think of it as energy. 100%. And you know, the things that in the past, maybe I was not the fondest of, or I'll be like, uh, I don't want to drink this like green thing, you know, Mm -hmm. that shifted because at the end of the day, like, even if we're like eating these salads, right. But we're eating it with that, like, Oh, I have to do this Mm -hmm. or it's not going to digest the same way. Your body's not going to receive it as nourishment. Right. So it really starts like it's, we live in a world of relationships, right. Relationships with ourselves, with our parents, with our kids, friends, but with our food, that's a huge one that most people don't realize, like how you talk to the food, how you receive the food. It's so, so vital to its digestion because we're not going to receive something that we're already in our brain saying like, oh, I can't believe I have to eat this stupid garbage, you know, like yeah. it's not going to serve us. <laughs> right. No, that's a really good point, actually. And something that I heard, too, was when you think about fast food, cutting it out in general is obviously healthier. But thinking about the people who are cooking your food, because it does like they're putting their energy into it. And once I thought about that, because I've worked in restaurants a long time and I'm not saying, I'm just saying there are a lot of people that you might not want their energy in general, you know? So like being very mindful of that. Yeah. If people are making your food and they're like hating their lives or they're like, that energy comes with the food. Just like, I don't know if you've seen, um, there's some videos where they, put like a plant or or rice or something and and one of them is like spoken like positive things yeah. and the other one and the one that's like negative it rots faster right right because that energy is being sent right like everything is energy we are yes all energy so once we start to see the world like that and engage with it in such way everything starts to shift because 100%. it's no longer you know yeah yeah not just like you said with people and food and things like that but literally everything and I was just talking about that the other day about how my once I started it was something about the words energetic exchange Mm. I was like that makes sense like energetic currency so what am I willing to give my energetic currency to and how do I take it back and one of the guys I listened to you would love him I can send you his information but his name is Nate Ortiz and he was a podcast guest but he talked about storing trauma in your body and he was the one that really got I started teaching yoga I I got certified to teach yoga Mm -hmm. after that because I was like what but he talks about buying healthy food is one thing I was afraid to invest in is like I'm like I said single mom you know how am I going to afford healthier food which is more expensive which is crazy crazy he says it's an investment in yourself so when I started doing that I was like okay I can't afford to invest in the food I can't afford to do fresh fruits and veggies and huge I cannot tell you everything how huge that is because yeah growing up it was always like picking the cheaper options of things Mm -hmm. right going to the grocery store and being like well this one you know is a different brand or whatever not looking at the ingredients not looking at anything just solely off of the price Mm -hmm. and the older I've gotten that has completely shifted for me such that I will pay the extra $5 for something that I know is of higher quality. Because to me, like this individual said, it is an investment in you and there will never be a greater ROI than an investment in yourself, period. Like, yes, (laughs) yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I think we talked about it earlier about how shame, I think shame keeps us trapped a lot in that area so do you have any tips or maybe a story about how shame kept you small because we talked about sharing your story there is a lot of shame especially when you're conventionally attractive 
you know you're going to face a little bit of backlash, right? Is that something that you've experienced? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Shame. Oof, there are so many things in my life that I grew up with a lot of shame around and how I viewed myself was a big one, especially mm-hmm. because, you know, it just felt very um, ungrateful, I guess, of me to be like, again, all these people telling me these beautiful things about me, but me not seeing that within myself such that I didn't feel comfortable sharing. And I also felt guilty about just even have had those experiences because I was like, people are going to think I'm even more crazy, right? Maybe I made this all up in my head and it wasn't even real. And now I'm over here, like talking about it as something that was very traumatizing to me. Right. So Mm -hmm. even just that, I, I never imagined myself having the courage to talk about it, but like I said, I have diaries. I know what I experienced, right. All of that is valid. And more so like I'm seeing it as an opportunity to help somebody else, an- another young girl who is going to go and experience something similar. Right. So shame, I would say it just it nev- doesn't serve us out of all the things. I think shame is one of the lowest vibrational yeah. uh, sensations or emotions that we can experience because at the end of the day, it's like, a, we almost don't even want to acknowledge something, right? Because we're so shame ashamed about it. But B, it also feels kind of like, um, you know, what if it backfires on me, right? What if somebody says like, oh, you're just really trying to get attention, right? Or yeah, you just want more compliments when in reality, like that would hurt me even more, right? Because right. I, it just invalidates everything that I experienced. And, yes. and that invalidation is kind of like the biggest slap in the face that you could give to somebody is saying, yeah, well- I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure you had some trauma, but like, look at you, you know, like, right. How, but you're how, so pretty. So shut yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that isn't that the point. You, know? right. you don't get it. No gaslighting yeah. yourself over trauma. It's so, yes. it's not funny. It's, it's traumatic and sad, but I swear to you, I get that so much with my autism diagnosis, with even my sexual assault. Like mm-hmm. that was something after I talked to my therapist and told her I was basically defending. I was like, but it couldn't, it couldn't not happen. Like maybe, and she was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. You know, like it yeah. does. I think like you said, it's shame is such a useless emotion. It really is because it keeps us small, but it's such a loud voice. And it's the voice it that says the really nasty things. Yes. Like and those limiting keeps, beliefs. It keeps majority of us just silent, right? For mm-hmm. years or we pretend like it wasn't a big deal when it actually was a huge deal. So I think the more and more those of us who are feeling that courage to speak, the more we do so, the more it inspires others to be like, you know what, I see her sharing her story. And, you know, maybe, maybe they also have some of those things of like, but she's not even, she's good looking on all this. But the point is they're starting to see like, okay, if she's sharing it, it's because she, clearly you know is something that has been a big part of her life and Mm -hmm. I respect her for doing that and maybe I get inspired to also share a little bit of the things that I haven't felt the most comfortable in my life 100% and I also think especially with body dysmorphia it's something that I could see where the initial reaction of something like you said if it triggered something and you something you're insecure about to be like well she's pretty so shut up but from mm-hmm. the other side is like, yeah, but she's okay. So it can happen to anyone. Like you have to see that exactly. that's the thing, exactly. right? It's like a mental distortion. Like you cannot, it does not matter what you say and, when you look at me. You know, one that brings up a really solid point that I've observed a lot is sometimes people will be like, mm, just because you experience this level of trauma compared to somebody else's trauma, your trauma is bigger than their trauma. Absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, we are our own world, right? We have, nobody knows how you are talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. And one thought that is like, significantly more critical or more harsh can overpower a different thought, right? Because at the end of the day, it's how you are processing that and how you have internalized it. So I'm, I'm always somebody who like, regardless of the experiences that people go through, I 100% know that how somebody can experience something is entirely different from somebody else yet both are equally as valid because it's how you are engaging with life right Mm -hmm. you're still engaging from that limiting belief or from that fear that insecurity irrespective of the degree right of how that trauma was for each person you're still showing up reacting to it a hundred percent and that's what i said when i was trying to niche down my target audience that's basically, it's funny that you're saying this because that's basically my target audience is the ones who feel like, because this is how I felt like, 
Well, mm-hmm. I did go through something traumatic, but it wasn't that traumatic. Like it wasn't as traumatic as what she went through, you know, and downplaying your trauma, yeah. which is so toxic for yourself, you know, yeah. and for others. But I th- I think that it is important you sharing your story. And it did, I mean, it encourages me to speak out and share my story. You know I mean? These conversations are important yes. to be having. Absolutely. And the more we share, the more we realize that we're actually more similar than we are different, right? We're yes. just navigating life through these lenses and these these obstructs that have come into our life. But at the end of the day, the less we empower those, right? The more we speak about them, the less power they have over us. And and we recognize like we can sympathize with one another more because at the end of the day, you're going through your stuff. I'm going through my stuff, but we're still showing up and we're still creating a space and a community where we can all talk about the things that are holding us back that are trying to keep us stuck from our full potential. Right. No, a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, every, I can talk to you for hours, but I want to close <laughs> out with, first of all, your business, because I know you do some online stuff. Do you want to talk specifically about what you do? Yeah. So one of the things that I'm most passionate about is a tool called human design. So I yes. do human design readings um, because essentially For me, that was a huge catalyst when I discovered how my energy was, Mm -hmm. you know, for the longest time working in this corporate environment, I was trying to keep up with the energy of other people. I was trying to perform in the same manner, Um, but little did I know that that's not how I'm designed, right? That's not how I'm wired to function. And so when I started to really honor that and I started to uh, rest more, which I was like, wow, no wonder I love to rest. I love to not do stuff. But I had all this guilt and all this stuff. Right. So when I understood how my energy works, it gave me that like permission slip or that like, oh, finally, I don't have to feel guilty about how I am or how I am not. I feel like I am at peace and I'm not trying to keep up with other people. Um, I now can understand how my energy works, how I can best use it, how I can show up in a different way that is more aligned. And little by little, like I actually got to see in my own life, the results of what it, what working with your energy actually looks like the synchronicities, the opportunities, the invitations that would just come through. Like, wow. Projectors. um, Yes. For projectors. So human design has been like truly a life-changing tool for me. Um, So I give readings for people and I help them get to uncover their own like energetic signature how they're navigating through life, what kinds of things maybe they're unconsciously unaware of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I, I would say is my biggest passion. And, and that's what I do, um, you know, for, for other people. That's I love that. And I want to have you, I've been waiting to talk to someone about human design. We'll do, I'll do another episode just about human design. Absolutely. Because Let's I love it. it. And projectors <laughs> for anyone who, I don't know if, if you, I don't know if you have to know your um, human design, but it's very easy to find out that you can look up, not to get the full report, obviously they yeah. can, and I'm going to plug your information stuff. But even if you want to look it up and get an intro into it, I feel like projectors are the number one um, type that work against that energy. Because like you said, it's that very like grinding. And I think that perfectionist quality comes in a lot too, of it's like push, push, push. But I did, I found the same thing when I learned to work with my energy and it was like, let's go with the flow. When I need to rest, I rest. And when I need to leap into action, my body naturally does it. And when you learn to work with that, it really is just like a lazy river. You know, you're just going with the flow. It makes so much easier. A thousand percent. And I agreed. I could talk about it for hours because I'm, like I said, I I feel so called to it. And, And when I learned about it, it was like, I had never felt so understood and so seen mm-hmm. with anything else. And um, once you start seeing the result in your life and how things can flow, like you just said, it's a complete game changer. And you start to realize you don't have to push so hard in life and, and be so aggressive and intense. Things will naturally like accommodate themselves and everything, all the pieces in the puzzle come together to support you because at the end of the day, we're no different from nature, right? Nature naturally grows. Nature naturally blossoms. So do we, but we have been working against our own nature. Yes. That we have created more blocks than, you know, yes. Creating in our lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, do you have any social media or anything you want to plug? Yes. I so, can do a um, link tree or something for you if you need me to, um, to put, I'll put it in you. the show notes too. 
Yeah. So my um, my socials are probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. So I'm pretty active on TikTok, like you yes, are as well. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, uh, I kind of I don't know what it is about Instagram. Instagram is different kind of energy, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, but both of my socials are my first name, so at Rosara R O S A U R A underscore A L V R Z. So perfect. Invite oh. anybody to join along for yes. this journey. And thank you so much, Dahlia, for the opportunity of to be on. Of course, of course. I, I loved everything you had to say. And I can listen to you talk about this for hours. So everyone to follow her. And I, I mean it when I say I want a human design podcast. I'm down to so we'll immediately plan. <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you guys later.